Welcome to Design Much with Andy and Patrick. <laughs> See, our audio like isn't perfectly synced, so I'm not sure if I'm getting it right. Yeah. No, it'll, it'll, it's going to be okay. I hope so. It's all going to be okay, Andy. Everything's going to be okay, Andy. <laughs> we'll sync it up. It'll be nice. You sound like you're about to get into a song right there. <laughs> <laughs> Everything is gonna be all right. That kind of stuff. Yeah, some, some reggae. reggae song. <laughs> Don't worry, be happy. How you doing, Patrick? Dude, I'm doing fantastic. Nice. Welcome How you to. Doing, Andy? Uh, I'm doing okay. I'm doing good. I was just gonna say before you rudely cut me off. Welcome to the Design Much Show. <laughs> the Design Much Show. Yeah. Oh, it's a show. I thought it was a podcast. Uh, what's the difference? <laughs> a show sounds like it, it involves some kind of uh, dancing, singing. Uh, yeah. Some kind of, you know, talents being performed, that kind of thing. Wait, didn't you just start the podcast with a song? Didn't you just start singing? I did, but that's not going to be in the podcast. It's We're going to take it out now? <laughs> yeah, that, that's going to be taken out. You can't take it out now. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we'll splice it into the end. Okay, good. <laughs> so, uh, what's our what's our what's our topic today? I hope it's not something that's so heavy. Last week seemed really heavy, Andy. I know it was heavy, but it was good. I I think it was um hopefully helpful for our audience. I hope so. I hope it was good. So let's <clears throat> let's ask the random topic generator and find out what our topic is today, Patrick. Today, Patrick, our topic comes <laughs> from friend of the show, Michael Nielsen. Oh, great. <laughs> you say that, but you really love we, Michael's topics. We do all of his topics. We get him on the show. He still won't go away. <laughs> And I don't think he should. No, his topics his topics are wonderful. They've been good. They've been fun. This is an interesting topic. Um, so Patrick, <laughs> Michael wants to know, how can I get my designer to come back to me? <laughs> what do you think he means by that? Like, um, did he lose a designer? I designer... Yeah, it's it sounds like I'm making an assumption, but it sounds like his designer quit and went away, possibly I, I, to another company. Maybe he was just like at the mall with his designer and he lost him. Like the designer maybe. went over to like the van store and he just he just lost him. He just lost him. Yeah, that I think that's a good possibility. That would be an easier topic to cover than the other one. Yeah. I think so. Because if you're at the mall, I mean, there's plenty of tools you can you can hook into. There's mall security. They can use the overhead page uh, page of the designer, um, you know, to meet Michael at a certain place. That's a scary thing, though. Have you ever been lost in a store before? Have I been lost in a store? I can't think that I have. I'm sure I have been lost because I actually spent a lot of my childhood, like, um, hanging around in stores but I, I can't yeah. remember a time. So it wasn't traumatic enough if I was lost to actually yeah. remember it. You just, you're just hanging out in stores 
when you yeah. were a kid growing yeah. up? I did. <laughs> my Just my chilling, mom worked you? my mom worked at um she was a gift wrapper um for ZCMI, which is just like a, a big department store. Yeah. Um that sold everything and she would just take me along with my brother and we would just go hang out. <laughs> so I was a little like 90s mall brat, you know, just a little yeah. kid running around the mall. You just run around and try to steal like diesel shirts and stuff like that. <laughs> I did not try to steal anything. No. What I did is I, I went around and I made my Christmas list. I went out to all the, the toy stores and made a list of all the things I wanted for birthdays and Christmases, you know? Yeah. And then never got it. Yeah. Pretty much. <laughs> I like how you said your mom was a gift wrapper. The way you said the way you said that, the the space or the pause made it sound like she got that job because she's really good at rhyming and flowing. <laughs> That's what it meant. <laughs> That's exactly what I'm trying to say. <laughs> she's like an MC. Yeah. Like a gift MC. <laughs> she has so many good <laughs> gift raps. <laughs> <laughs> Move over, Eminem. <laughs> so, so did I, we answer I, Michael's question? <laughs> I, I think we answered. Well, I think I think too too clearly answered Michael's question. I think we should say this: if if he lost his designer at the mall, I hope I hope he's found him or her by now, because that was probably a long time ago that he submitted that topic. So yeah, I'm yeah, a little it worried. Weird. It could have been months ago, right? <laughs> yeah, it was months ago. Yeah. And like he's gone home, and now the designer has built like a house at the mall, you know, hiding somewhere in the H and M or something like that. They have a little kiosk. Um, like I'll do, I'll do your website for you. Yeah. <laughs> I just need taxi when you to get home. I'll do your website. <laughs> Give me the money that I can get home. I'll do your website. He's got they got one of those drones flying around in the mall, bugging people to get the attention. You know. <laughs> Hey, do you got three seconds before you head over to H&M to stop by and talk to me about this? No, I don't. How do you feel about your personal brand? <laughs> I can make it way better. <laughs> yeah, personal so hopefully brand. hopefully they've, they've figured stuff out. Yeah, hopefully they, hopefully he's figured it out. I don't, yeah. <laughs> hopefully his designer's not lost in the mall anymore. Yeah. <laughs> to be to be really truthful though uh they still are <laughs> they still are well michael still doesn't have a designer so <laughs> so apparently apparently they're still overhanging out of the mall <laughs> so this question still stands for michael hanging out yeah <laughs> hanging out behind behind the little churro place and Mrs. Fields. Is Mrs. Fields still a thing? Mrs. Fields cookies? That was I, so good. I hope it is. Like you go to the mall and you go right over to Mrs. Fields cookies. They just had that glass wall of cookies that were all warm. Yeah. They cost like $4 each. They were what doing about a, pretzel good, time? A, a good service for the world. I, I don't know about the... Is it the Pretzel Barn you said? Is that what it's called? Pretzel Barn, Pretzel Time. I thought it was Pretzel Time. <laughs> they give you the big pretzels. They just give you the big pretzels or the little the little nugget pretzels. You know, you can dip mm-hmm. in the cheese sauce. They've got to still be there, right? Hopefully. I mean, maybe I... not now. <laughs> 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 I, 
I haven't been to a mall in since March, at least. Yeah. Are you allowed to be in a mall right now? I kind of feel like you're not. I could be wrong, though. And would there be a difference between like an outdoor, like an outdoor mall versus an indoor mall? Yeah, I feel like an outdoor okay? one could have like individual shops opening, like whenever they needed to. Yeah. Versus an indoor mall, like the whole mall has to be open. Yeah, and people are. Oh man, now I'm starting to feel bad for like Build a Bear and stuff. Those companies that they're only inside of malls. They probably have to. They probably been closed for the last two months. Yeah. Whew. Lost a designer, and now we're worried about the malls. Let's. Uh, what? What else? What, do we have another topic we can we can cover <laughs> real quick? Another lightning round. Yeah, I think we answered Michael's question. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you hold some Lacroix up in the air and let the breeze catch it, and then the designer will find you. Ooh, yeah, like it, like it's it's shiny between the between the aroma, mm-hmm. and then the shininess of the can. Like, there's not a designer out there that can't that can't uh, not miss that, right? Yeah, I, I can smell like drawn a, to that. a few Lacroix that my neighbors have right now. So yeah. Mm-hmm. They're drawn to that. Yeah, I see. I like your strategy. <laughs> so, Michael, give that a try if you're listening. Yeah, he hasn't he hasn't tried that yet, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I think we answered his question. I don't know how that question got on our list, but it was there, so we had to, <laughs> had to do it. <laughs> we had to do it. We had to deal with it. See, this is the thing about these topics. You can they can send them in. People, we can you can send them in, right? We'll answer all of them. We don't. It doesn't matter what they are. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> our we most filter uh, these things out. Personal secrets. They're going to be out. <laughs> so let's move on to another topic, Patrick. Okay. You think we topic answered number that one really two? Well. You got one one queued up? I got one queued up right here. I'm ready to go. So this one comes from Ben Picard. Ooh. Ben would like to know how to innovate on core product features to make them more friendly for new users without alienating existing users who like the way it currently is. Mm, I got this one, Andy. You got this. Oh, sweet. I know at least one way to handle this. That is to currently audit your app, right? Start out, audit your app, audit the workflows in your app, do like a top 10 analysis, top task analysis, something like that. So you can see what workflows are currently being used the most, right? Yeah. Then go back and and audit those workflows, right? So look at those things, look for deficiencies in those things, and then make sure that when you redesign your application, you're not breaking any of those tasks, any of those workflows. Because people, 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 um, change is hard for most people, right? And I think, mm-hmm. I think Ben's kind of bringing this up. Like, how do you take an old thing, make it new for the new people, but yet still make an improvement for the old people that are still on your platform? In my opinion, that's, that's one way to do it, or that's, that's one thing you should consider 
is workflows and understanding and knowing what those workflows are. There might even be workflows in that that you find that are completely inefficient, um, that are the frequently frequently used workflows or the frequent workflows people are, are using every day, day in and day out. You want to make sure you're not messing with those, but you also want to make sure you're improving those, right, as you mm-hmm. do as you do some some kind of design change. Because I think, I think as long as people get into it, um, they see the change. As long as your, your older users get into it, they see the change. Um, as soon as they see the value in it, the value in the change, then, then they're going to be, they're going to be in, they're going to be hooked. Right. Yeah. You can't avoid not changing an application, but what you can't avoid is not breaking the application. Exactly. Yeah. And I like this a lot. So like he, he wants to find out how he can make it more friendly for new users. Um, so I think the key word there is like friendly. So if you are yeah. taking these workflows that, um, that are working for existing users and making them more friendly without, of course, making sure you're not breaking those workflows, it's actually going to benefit both the old users and the new users. At least that's my yep. assumption, right? So my question to you, Patrick, about that is you, you mentioned something that was really important. You have to do this audit of those workflows. Um, what steps would you actually take to audit a workflow? Let's say I'm like I'm the only designer at a, at a startup. Where do I start with this? Yeah, I would start with the users. So I'd start with I would start with your users. I'd I'd figure out a way. This is where it becomes tricky depending on what what application you are, who your users are. But I'd figure out a way that you can send your users a survey. And I would create for me. I would create a I would create a survey of just tasks that are done in the app. So. Uh, rewinding a little bit back further, sit down and write down all the tasks or all the jobs to be done in your application. Put those in a big giant list. It could be 50, it could be 100, it could be whatever, right? Like, doesn't matter how many they are. Um, and then create a survey, put all of those in and say, and then just tell your users to rank. You know, you could do you could do two, right? You could do, you take all of those jobs to be done, all of those those tasks, put them in two different questions. The first question, just ask them like, out of these workflows, out of these tasks, out of these jobs and in the application, what are the five most important to you, right? Mm -hmm. And then the next step would be out of all of these tasks, all of these jobs, all of these workflows, which five do you use the most frequently, like on a daily basis or weekly basis or whatever the frequency is, and then tell them to pick five of those, right? And then take that data. So send that out to a bunch of users, 100 users, 200 users, whatever. Try to get a couple hundred users on it. Try to get a majority of people, right? So you can get good, you can get good data behind it. Um, you can do that sending out via email. If you've got like a chat client in your app, uh, that's probably a better way to go because it pops up right for them. Have them take that two-question survey, take all that data back, <clears throat> and then you should be able to see what are the top five, top ten most frequent tasks used in your application? Yeah. What are the top five, top 10 most important tasks in your application? And then narrow those things down, right? Take the take the biggest ones and they'll, they'll usually be like, everybody does these handful of things and it drops off pretty significantly, right? So those are the ones that you wanna make user friendly. Those are the ones that you wanna make more accessible. Those are the ones that you wanna make better, right? Mm-hmm. The other ones, you can they can live with the friction because they're not that important. They're not using them that often, but those ones that they're using frequently and more important, that's where I would start with. And I'd start with those. And then what I've done in the past um, is 
just go through those workflows. Just sit down, take that, take that list that you have, go sit down, go through that workflow and screenshot every single step that you take in that workflow and then hang it up on a wall or something, right? We've done this in the past. Um, but hang it up on the wall and then get, you know, if you're, if you're the only designer on the team, then maybe get, get a PM, get a couple of the engineers or something like that after you've hung those up and then talk about, so here's, here's task one. This is the most frequently used workflow in our application. We want this to be, the goal is that we want it to be more friendly and easier to use, right? Mm-hmm. So let's go through this and see if there's any inefficiencies. Uh, some of them, there might not be inefficiencies, but most of them you're going to find one or two screens that are unnecessary or you're going to be like, when they click there, why did they go there? You know, that doesn't make any sense. Um, so look for those areas, write those things down, um, and then start there as, as where you're going to improve on. Um, I would do that with all either top five, top ten um, tasks from that survey. And then just start there, right? Um, don't worry about everything else. Start there. Sometimes it might be like you might learn that all five of those tasks are all buried under like some settings menu or something. And then the goal now is like, well, how do we unbury those things? But you'll discover that in that audit. Um, and then, yeah, I would just start with those two. Start with the survey, top task survey, stop with, and then start with, you know, the, the just auditing it. I think it's nice to print them out, hang them on a wall, get a group of people to look at them with you. Um, that way you can just write things down on the screen, you know, like you can just write it down on the piece of paper instead of worrying about the screen and taking notes. You can just like circle it and be like this why is this here you know this is very visually distracting from what they need to do in the form or whatever it is yeah um i would just yeah i would just start with that yeah that's great and i, I like what you said um i think the first off is like when when you're actually doing that audit and finding out what is working well i think that's what is really important about this as designers i think we often try to look for what is failing um, we, mm-hmm. we very much focus on the pains our user has or have, <laughs> but I think it's also important to understand what's working well with your current experience, because as soon as you just look for pains and you like see um, just what's wrong with it, you might actually break what's good with it and yeah. um, alienate, as, uh, as Ben mentioned in his question, alienate the existing users and their workflows. Um, so I definitely like that. And this is actually something that uh, I kind of mentioned this before in a previous episode, but this is something we're doing right now on Workfront. So we're, we're taking these workflows and every designer is taking one or two of these workflows. And we, we go through the list of, of all of the steps of that workflow. And we're actually testing this with, with users. And we're not just testing it with like, um, you know, users that have used the app for a long time. We're also testing it with people that have never seen it before. So we're getting kind of that the difference of like um, people who have been using this product for a while and kind of understand its nuances and people that have never, never laid eyes on it. And, and we're seeing like how they're, they're doing well or failing. Um, and so just each one of those steps they're marking, like if they're able to, to quickly intuitively understand this step or if it's completely failing. Um, and so we're just ranking this with with a bunch of different um, individuals, and it's been really great to see this. And we're also like capturing this data that we're going to be able to share with um, our development team and get it prioritized to actually get work on it to fix those those major workflows. That's cool. So you're actually user testing those workflows. Yes. Like going through more traditional task based user testing. Yeah. Exactly. Nice. Are you doing that two? Are you doing that with two separate? 
like you said, you have the existing users and you have new users. Are you running two separate tests or are you putting them in the same test? Um, they're both in the same test. Okay. Yeah, so, so then we you can kind of, of aggregate. Exactly. Yeah. We can see yeah. like how it's working with, with both of those. Are you noticing any, have you, have you guys begun? Have you guys started doing anything like that yet? Yeah. Yeah. I just like right before this call, I just got off of doing one. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Um, so yeah, um, I'm in early stages of it, but it's been, it's been awesome to, uh, to work with this. And so I've, I've been already testing with those two different types. They're kind of just mixed into my calendar. Um, so I have, I've done some with, um, with an existing user and I've also done some with people who have never seen Workfront at all. And it's been, um, a very big difference in terms of understanding what they need to do. Yeah. What are, are there, are there certain patterns that you're finding too, that are similar between the two user bases? Um, we are finding some patterns of, I don't like understand this, like, like one would say, like an existing user would say, I only understand this because I've been trained to understand it. And another, mm -hmm. a, you know, a, a user would say, I, I don't understand this. Like a, a user who hasn't seen it before would say, I don't actually understand it. So we're seeing those patterns of, um, most people don't understand this step because it's not designed <laughs> in the right way. Um, but they yeah. have to be trained on it to understand it. <laughs> They're both confused, but the one, the one set is like, but I learned how to do it. And now I know yeah. how to do it. Yeah. I went through the That's pain of understanding how to do it. Yeah. But see, those are the things that's what, that's what Ben's talking about though. Right. I would assume is that he's looking at things like that. Like I see a bunch of improvement, how do I how do I make that improvement better without totally alienating people? I think that's a great way to do it is to user test both sets and find out the common patterns, right? Mm -hmm. Like you're talking about, and then improve those. Um, yeah, and then go from there, right? And then and then look at it from there. I think I think one thing uh, a, a bigger thing too um, is not don't be afraid of the change. Like I know it's. I know you can be worried about it, but maybe don't be afraid of it. You know, try not to be afraid of changing something because I think users like most people are pretty resilient, um, even though they maybe they don't want to see the change or the change is not right. Like the timing's not right. Mm -hmm. um, they're pretty resilient at, at working through that stuff. And if it's, if it's like you said, if it's easier to use, it's easier to understand even in little tiny bits and pieces then they're going to get it and they're going to, it's going to, you know, they'll turn around pretty quickly to the changes. Like, like this happens with all the brands, right? <clears throat> brands always redesign their brand. They just redesign their logo. And then there's always backlash of course, for like two weeks. And then, and then in, you know, and then in, in a month, nobody even remembered what the old logo looked like. Right. Yeah, exactly. I don't remember what the old Spotify logo looked like. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Or the old Airbnb logo. <laughs> the old Airbnb. Like those things, it's fun. I think it's fun for designers to, to pick on all that stuff, you know. Yeah. But I also think users get a little upset. You know, I, I remember with the Instagram redesign, you know, there's a bunch of users that were upset with it. Mm -hmm. But you use it a few times and you realize that it's that it's easier to use, that the brand, oh, it makes sense. Like it's not that big a deal. And then you just kind of move on and you just don't remember anymore, right? It's like your brain only has enough room for one of those things, not both of them. <laughs> so you just kind of move on. I think not make, I think being scared, being scared to make decisions or changes, um, 
because you have a you have an existing user base is just a good like that that's that's just a good example of i think bad design yeah <laughs> in my mind is like you you need to be you need to be aware of their issues the difference being if you change something to change something like you talked about just changing it because we think it's bad versus truly understanding what your users are going through and having that empathy for them. If you understand and you're making improvements on that, then it doesn't matter if you change the app or not. Um, Cause you're, you're constantly improving. But if you're just like, yeah, this workflow stinks, I'm going to change it to be the way that I want it to be. Then you probably will upset everyone, including probably new users as well. You know, they won't be able to adopt it. Yeah. But, I think that's really the key is doing what you're talked what you talked about is analyzing, auditing those things, um, and then user testing them to make sure that you're actually resolving an issue. That's that's the biggest thing to me. That's what's going to keep you from from alienating people. Yeah, and I think if if along the way, like you are, you're doing this the right way. Um, and what I mean by that is like if you have an initiative and you go through a process. Um, that allows you to collect the data that is um, going to be shareable with others. I think you're going to get um, the actual ability to make these changes. Um, so, f- for example, like a lot of these workflows, we know that you know that we're doing in in Workfront right now. We know that they're problematic, but we don't have like the data to back that up so that we can actually get it prioritized. So what we're doing yeah. now is we're taking it through the process. We're getting actual feedback. We're collecting that. And then we're going to share that feedback. And then as, as we see that, like, oh, actually, every user that we tested this workflow with struggled and we have like a, a really poor rating, we're going to get the, the priority to, to be able to work on this and, you know, get it in our application versus, yeah, we know this is bad and we're going to fix it someday, but we're not actually going to fix it, you know? <laughs> yeah. No, it's a good exercise in getting that data. That's we, We've gone through um, a, a UI redesign at Canopy that we're working on right now, and we did the same thing right early on. We probably didn't do enough. We prioritized it as a thing we wanted to do, and then we went back and user-tested and user-tested a bunch and surveyed a bunch of people. And I think that having that data helped us prioritize the importance of certain things, but it also... It also was. It also became. It also made us become aware of of what we wanted to change, because there's things that we wanted to change that um, were actually bad when we user tested them, right? Hmm. For our users, so it was like it was like having that data. I think is going to catch a lot of uh, issues that we were that we could have faced, right? Because you know, simple things like, hey, we're going to remove words off of icons and stuff. We tested that so many times and nobody understood that unless we had unless we had labels with our icons. And so as designers, we were like, this is so ugly. We need to clean this up. But as designers for our user base, it was definitely not the right decision to remove those labels, which is something like I had to swallow my pride. Everybody on the team had to be like, yeah, yeah, okay, let's do it and figure out a better way to do this for our users. So I think having that data to prioritize projects but as well as if the project is already prioritized to have that data so that you know that you're making the right decisions and you're actually improving things. Yeah. Not going to make things worse. Absolutely. Did I agree, we answer man. Ben's question? Hopefully. Yeah, Dude, just do those things questions. that Patrick said. That's two topics. I know. Good for us, right? 
Yeah. I like what you guys are doing over there at Workfront with the with the auditing and then using user testing to audit audit those workflows. That's pretty cool. Yeah, it's it's going pretty well so far. Do that, Ben. Yeah, do that. <laughs> <laughs> and then your your existing users will not be alienated. Everybody yep. will be happy. They'll just be super happy, man. You want happy users? Both yeah. existing and new. Now, I think what would be interesting is, is if by new, he actually meant a different type of user. Like, let's say he's going into, his product is going into a new vertical, but it still oh, needs to yeah. support an old vertical. Um, I don't know if he meant that, and um, but I think that would be something very interesting. Like, if if we're testing with these, these different types of, of personas, um, I, I think you can still follow that same process and you can still find the, um, the similarities between the two groups and to make sure that you're solving for those. If they do have to, if those workflows cross, you know, um, through those, the old version of the product and the new version of the product, um, you have to make sure that it still works for, for both of those user sets. Um, mm-hmm. so I think that, that still, um, applies for that. Um, I'm just kind of thinking out loud here if that's what he meant. No. Well, it depends on what that outcome is too, is if, if you have persona A and you're moving to persona B, but you're, you want to phase out persona A. Yeah. Right. Through that process, that would be, your strategy might be different than if you're trying to like, you have persona A and you're adding persona B to it. That would be a little bit different of a strategy as well. Absolutely. Yeah. If you're trying to switch to a different vertical, you might just forget about persona A. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Until they, they all stop buying your product. <laughs> I don't know the best strategy is I don't know. there. It depends, but... on, depends on how long you, gotta, you have to support it to make money, right? Yeah. <laughs> so we answered, my, we answered Michael Nelson's uh, question. LaCroix. <laughs> he's got he's to gotta go to the mall and just hold up a LaCroix and open it up. And then give it a few minutes, and then hopefully that designer will come running back, and, yeah. and they'll embrace, they'll hug, and, and wipe the tears away, and everything will be fine. There's going to be some. We talked about Michael. We'll need to we'll need to listen to the broken trust uh, <laughs> thing that we had last week because I think there's going to be some broken trust there. I don't think the designers ever really going to fully trust him to go to the mall again. Yeah, you know next time. Next time that Michael's like, hey, let's go get some pretzels. Let's go over to pretzel time and get some pretzels. He's going to be like, nah, I'm going to stay in my office this time. <laughs> um, then Ben's, yeah, Ben's questions. Ben's question about existing and, and new users, I think. I think you, it comes down, again, it comes down to understanding those users, understanding their empathy, and then getting some data behind it so that you know you've got some some good information behind it so that you know you're making the right decisions for both user bases. Yep, exactly. Yeah, you can make those decisions with with the research, with the data. Yep. Cool. So Michael Michael Another. needs to find the designer and Ben needs to find the data. Yeah. <laughs> what a finding going on. And Marlon needs to find Nemo. Oh, wait. 
He did, right? He yeah, found he Nemo. Yeah. Spoiler alert. <laughs> did Dory ever get found? Or is she still out there swimming around? Dory was looking for her family. And spoiler alert, she found her family. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's good. I'm happy for both of them. Okay. We we done, Andy? <laughs> yeah, that, that concludes our, our movie review corner right there. Okay. <laughs> we could do movie reviews, but there's no new ones out there. I mean, there's. Did you see? Did you see Onward? I did. Yeah. Yeah. What was your? Okay, I want to know what what's your uh, what's your review of Onward? You're the. I was gonna say you're more harsh, but I think you're not as harsh as me sometimes. That's possible, um, but I am kind of a critical person when it comes to movies. Um, I thought Onward was for for Pixar. So for movie standards, it was a good movie. For Pixar standards, it was lower. Um, of what's the right way to say this? If I were to rank it based on like what what makes a good Pixar movie, it's lower than most of the Pixar movies. Ah. Uh. Um, and I would back that up with um, kind of the fact that <laughs> going going through this movie, like the, the, the character motivations made sense and everything, but we kind of didn't find out the character we were supposed to care about the most um, was the character we were supposed to care about the most um, until the end. Um, and I don't know yeah. how to say that without spoiling it, um, but... <clears throat> It was mainly like one of the main characters was kind of like played off as a joke. He was the kind of the jokey character most of the time, but he turned out to be like one of the the biggest um, parts of the uh, the end movie or the end of the movie. So I I kind of felt like I, it didn't quite click with me as much as it could have yeah. if that character wasn't just kind of a, a joke the whole time. So, I would I would agree with that sentiment because that sentiment because uh, I feel like. You know the way they the way they portrayed you know dad's legs the entire time. Mm-hmm. You literally only saw part of him, which is what the whole entire focus was of the movie was to get all of him back, right? Yeah. So like the you're you're literally just focused on that half, and you're sort of not paying attention to the other stuff that's happening, and then at the end you never get to see the whole character. Yeah, that's true. But at the end, they try to switch you from this other character to, to that character, right? Yeah. Right at the end, and I, and yeah, I feel like it didn't quite, it didn't, it didn't quite work right. Yeah. And maybe that's because we didn't see the, we didn't see the, we didn't actually see the culmination happen. Because we were looking at it from the other character's eyes, right? Mm-hmm. So we didn't actually see, we didn't actually see the everything happen at the same time. I don't know. I yeah, was a little so, disappointed. Yeah, it was. It wasn't bad. Um, it was like I still, I still kind of had a little lump in my throat. I'll say that, Patrick. Mm-hmm. But like compared to other Pixar movies, I wasn't like, you know, like super sad. <laughs> <laughs> you know. Yeah, most other Pixar movies, you're weeping instead of just like, yeah, being like, oh. That was more of just kind of like, oh, that's that's cute, that's cool. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> did you did you? So the other part that I was really confused about the entire movie was <clears throat> the Spider-Man character, whatever his name is. 
<laughs> he did the voice. He did the voice of the one character, Spider Man. Yeah. yeah, he was he, the little high school a, kid. Yeah, he was a high school kid. He was learning how to drive. He was all that kind of stuff. The other kid, the Chris Pratt voice. How old was he supposed to be? Because, I know, right? <laughs> like his voice and the way that the way that he did the voice and who they chose is a much older person. Yeah. For the maturity level of that character in the show, and maybe that's maybe that was part of it, but I just felt like that was not a good it wasn't a good choice of like I like Chris Pratt, but I don't think it was a good choice. I think he was I, I don't think his his voice came off older than than I think the character because the character in my mind was like senior in high school, you know, maybe just graduated high school. Yeah, I wasn't sure. Like I was thinking he was like either just graduated or like maybe in his twenties, like a, a little bit older, and just like you know still hanging out at home. So I wasn't sure, and they never really revealed that. So I totally agree. No. They didn't really give us a good baseline on who that character was. Yeah, so maybe that made an impact on whether we not we cared about that character throughout the movie or not. Yeah, exactly. I just didn't think it matched really well. Like, yeah. it just felt like I don't know. And maybe maybe it's because I knew it was Chris Pratt, so I knew it was because he's a pretty recognizable voice. So as soon as he comes on the as soon as he comes on, I'm like, oh, that guy's 35 years old, you know, or that guy's 30 <laughs> years old. He's the older brother visiting the family, but it. But then you're like, no, he still lives there. Like, yeah. And then you're like, is this guy a total, like, is he a total loser? Because he doesn't, he seems really friendly and nice. So it doesn't seem like he's a loser. I don't know. It was weird. Yeah, no, exactly. And I, I think I had that problem. Think trying to like during the movie, trying to figure that out. And it kind of distracted me like from the actual story. Like, yeah. Like who is this person? You know, you know, you know, one other thing, this is, this is one of those like plot holes that I don't. I've watched because I've watched Onward at least five times now with my kids. <laughs> but uh, you know when they go to the to the uh, the Manticore's uh, tavern. Yeah. So at the beginning they they go up the road to get there, and it's like all spooky and creepy and everything like that. Mm-hmm. You know, and then they show up and it's like this restaurant, and then when they leave the restaurant, they're not in the spooky, creepy side anymore. They're oh, like you're right. In a parking lot. <laughs> So I'm like, did did they go, th- like, how did they get there? Why did they get there? Like, I just, it just seemed weird that there'd uh-huh. be like this spooky way of getting there. And then the other way is like via the freeway. Like, it just doesn't make any sense. Why wouldn't he? That's, that's know. a good point. I did not realize that. And I think that if, if I were the director, I'd explain that away by saying they went through the back way. <laughs> like they went through the back door. <laughs> yeah and maybe they went out the front door i don't know like they didn't use google maps to get there so they went they went yeah the he had way. some old some old map right from yeah. his book or whatever yeah okay i hadn't thought about that though there's like there's a couple of there's a couple of uh things in that movie that i don't normally like to your point like in a pixar movie you don't normally don't you don't normally see that stuff or you don't you don't figure mm-hmm. stuff you know, like that stuff doesn't pop out to you as much, but in that one, there's a couple of times where it's like, wait a minute, like that shouldn't happen like that. I know it's like magic, but it still shouldn't happen like that. That just kind of like get your attention and take you out of the story. Yeah, yeah. Most and Pixar there's movies don't do that. 
there was another um, criticism that I heard about this that was like, when when uh, the older brother taught the the pixies magic, or like he kind of showed them magic or something like that. Um, I've only seen this once, so I'm trying to remember this, but basically when the, the, the pixies, the ones that are driving around those motorcycles, like yeah. rediscover magic and are able to fly instead of driving around a motorcycle, they're not really like amazed. They're just like, oh, th- yeah. I can do this now. And so like, I kind of felt that way too. It was like, <laughs> oh, that's not really that important that all of a sudden we can do magic, even though they hadn't had it ever in their lives, right? So it's yeah, kind of interesting. It should have been more astonishing for them, right? Yeah. Yeah. So it wasn't for me if it wasn't for them. <laughs> if they're, I, I'm, true. I'm, you know, empathizing with these characters, Patrick, and I'm going to try to feel what they feel. And if they don't care about it, then I'm not going to care about it. Was it um, written and directed by your, your boy who ruined that Star Wars movie? Was that why it was so bad? <laughs> it was not. It was not uh, by Ryan Johnson. Nope. Nope. Okay. Oh, I saw Knives Out. You did? Yeah, on your you recommendation, think? I saw it. It was better than Star Wars. <laughs> better than his version of Star Wars. <laughs> I thought it was good. I thought it was like it was like Clue, but not cheesy. Yeah, no, that like was Clue's that's a really fun movie. Cheesy. Yes, but that one was a little bit more serious. But it it had a really good payoff at the end. Yeah, you like that? Yeah. Well, it had the whole like. Because I was waiting for I was waiting for them to not just reveal what was going on, but actually like have the investigator put it together. I like Sherlock does that and all mm-hmm. your Sherlock Holmes stuff. I always like that. Like they figure it out, you quite haven't figured it out, and then they explain it to you by showing you. Yeah. And they totally did that at the end of that thing, which was cool. Yeah. No, they did a good job, and it, it was interesting how they kind of subverted your expectations where you were initially thinking this is going to be one of those regular mystery things, but you're really seeing yeah. it from a different point of view, like from the person who actually um, perpetrated the, the crime, right? Yeah. For most of the movie. So it's pretty, it's a pretty cool movie. Yeah, it was good. I would highly recommend that. I'd recommend Onward too. Onward's fun. Oh, I would too. Yeah, you should definitely see it. My kids have staffs now. <laughs> we, were, we were pruning the trees and we, and my wife, uh, made staffs for them like the like in the movie onward oh nice <laughs> yeah so hopefully they don't find that uh that uh crystal or whatever and then we're all going to be in trouble yeah <laughs> bring back your old family members for a day <laughs> yeah that would suck okay <laughs> I think that's it. That's a, that's another that's another design much show in the can. <laughs> you had your you had your uh, tips for getting lost in the mall. Mm-hmm. Good design conversation, plus a good movie review. So I think I think that hits all points. Yeah, we we have done our job. <laughs> <laughs> okay, see you, Andy. See you, Patrick. <laughs> You want to know the best way to support the podcast? And I know you do because you made it to the end of this episode. That is share it. Share it with a coworker, share it with a family member, share it with a friend, share it with whoever you want to, share it with a construction worker, share it with somebody, it doesn't matter. Just share it. Um, a couple more ways to support the podcast though. Go buy a t-shirt over at designmuch.threadless.com. 
and then wear it with pride. And then lastly, to support the podcast, we need your topics. Use hashtag designmuchtopics on social media or shoot us an email at topics at designmuch.org or just go to designmuch.org slash contact and fill out the form. 